0: is Thursday, February twenty fourth, 2022. This is Shannon, and tonight I am here with Amber, Brooke, and Christine, and we are talking about banned and challenged books. This is especially timely because we are recording this during banned book week (laughs) in Canada, and although this won't air during that week, um, you know, I I think we, we timed it kind of well in terms of recording. So we will, of course, start out with the usual housekeeping information. Then Brooke will start us off, followed by Amber, me, and lastly, Christine. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that
1: So my first book tonight is Foxfire, Confessions of a Girl Gang by Joyce Carol Oates. And this book has been challenged in Canada. It's one of the more popular books to be challenged. And it was challenged because of sex, violence, and offensive language. So this book is um, about a group of five girls. We've got Maddie margaret rita lana and goldie so these five girls they go to high school together and they decide to form a gang and they're going to call themselves foxfire they feel that they're kind of being like women in general are being oppressed by men and so part of what they've decided is that they're going to take revenge on these on these people. So their first revenge scheme is against a teacher who has this tendency to belittle poor Rita. Like Reed, Rita isn't the most stellar student, so this teacher has taken upon himself to kind of point out and to make her like make fun of her in classes. But at the same time, he ends up sexually harassing her. So they've decided that they're gonna take revenge on him. And I really, I thought this was the greatest thing ever. So what they end up doing is they paint a message on the side of his car. And it happens to be on the side of the car that he doesn't see when he first gets in. But he figures it out because there's people that are like pointing as he's driving or they're like honking their horns at him. So when he gets home, he looks and he finds this message. And it's um, quite an interesting message. It points out that he says that I am a, I I think it was something like, I'm a dirty old man who likes young girls. Yum, yum, or something like that. It was, huh. it was a pretty, I thought it was a pretty creative little um, message. So they end up doing this and then they end up also taking revenge on some other men who have done things to some of the other girls. This story is told from the perspective of maddie who is the one who kind of chronicles the activities of the gang um we get to hear about margaret and her time in juvie when she's put there because of some things that she has done and then we also get to see some of the the once they Like, once she gets out, they decide that they're going to buy a house or at least rent a house together. So together, they rent this house. And in order to pay their bills and stuff, they end up having these different schemes on wealthy men or men that are looking for things that they... Like, they kind of pull schemes on them. So in one case, one of the girls... They like attract the attention of this man. And if, of course, as I said, these are teenagers. So he's kind of a dirty old man anyway. But they end up cornering him and then they end they end up stealing from him and making money and stuff like that. So I just thought it was a really neat book in the way that they take upon themselves to kind of take revenge on the men that are causing problems for women around them, but also kind of the determination that they're going to be independent and that they're going to have, like promote the agenda of women. So I really liked it. This is Foxfire, Confessions of a Girl Gang by Joyce Carol Oates.
0: It's been so long since I've read this.
2: This is actually,
1: yeah, it's this, I'm pretty sure this is the first Joyce Carol Oates book I've read. I was kind of surprised because I've heard her, this author's name a lot of times. I've just never gotten around to reading one.
2: Okay, so my first book for the evening got, uh, it was a late submission because I was going to do something else. And then I saw this book had been banned and I was like, Shannon, I have to include (laughs) it. (laughs) so uh uh, in perusing the internet uh i was looking at stephen king's tweets and i went to myself self stephen king has to have a book banned oh yeah so i looked and sure enough one of my favorite books of his has been banned um and actually it was uh It was on the list of books that have been by authors from Maine that have been banned the most. And this book is Carrie by Stephen King. Um, I
1: love that book.
2: Yes. So it was banned for a variety of things, Um, you know, uh, anti religious sentiments, sex, um, you know, uh, going against authority, language. All sorts of, you know, fun things. Um, so I was, I was actually very interested. And in my internet perusal, um, I found an essay that Stephen King actually wrote on banning the banning of books. And he said, you know, if I commented every time one of my books was banned, I'd never have time to write. So <laughs> he said... And, and he and it was very interesting because he actually talked to kids and he said, you know, the first message that I would say is to kids. He, you know, he said, don't bother, you know, protesting against the ban, you know, just like go with it because, look, your kids, it's it's probably not going to happen. But he said, what I would actually recommend you do is if a book gets banned in your school, go to the library, borrow it from a friend get it wherever you can and read it because he said it is your right as a person to know what's in the book. And, you know, and he kind of said like, you should know why your parents are banning this book. And he said, most often you're going to find that it was really not that big of a deal. Um, so, you know, I read Carrie in high school and then uh, I read it again, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. And so Carrie is a a girl in Maine in the 70s. And the book is kind of written partially in like an epistolary style. Uh, It's letters, it's news articles, it's book chapters. And it's all about Carrie White. And Carrie um, starts her period uh, very late. And she starts it in a rather dramatic fashion. uh, And she finds out that she can move things with her mind. She's telekinetic. And this book also has a lot to do with bullying in school and how she gets revenge on the entire town of Chamberlain, Maine. Um, and I just, as I, as I kind of read the book, my mind kind of went back to the Stephen King essay about like, book, you know, people who want to ban books want you to think exactly the way they do and their opinion is the only one that matters and he really talked to kids and he said look just have an open mind read the book because there's something in there that your parents don't want you to know (laughs) and you know like he said like it's usually not a big deal and he said it's usually something you've already seen and I think that You know, like, that was the most interesting thing to me is, like, I saw all these books that were banned, and I'm like, really? That book was banned? Because I guarantee you that your kid has seen worse on TikTok. Uh, Anyway, anyway. uh, (laughs) yeah, very likely. (laughs) Anyway, um, so my first book is Carrie by Stephen King.
0: I think it's interesting because there are so many different responses to Mm -hmm. the banning of books, and You know, so many ways that people find to resist. Um, I think Book Riot did a campaign actually when the first book that I'm going to talk about was banned, and they were like sending copies of it all over Mm -hmm. the place. That's neat. So my first book is that book that Book Riot campaigned for. This is The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. I wasn't originally going to talk about this one um, just because I felt like it was, you know, sort of an obvious choice, but it, it seems just very, very timely and important, so I did include it in my list of banned books. So The Hate You Give is the story of Star, and Star lives in a town That I don't like, we don't actually know where this town is. I feel like it could be anywhere in the United States. Um, She's Black, she lives in a Black neighborhood, but she goes to a predominantly white school. And so she's kind of forced to code switch a lot. And, you know, she's always trying to blend in to the place where she is. So she changes, you know, kind of how she speaks, how she behaves. But one night, she and a male friend of hers are coming home from a party, and they are stopped by the police. And we all know, or if we don't know, we should know, that when a Black male is stopped by the police, um, this so often ends badly. And it does in this case as well. And so the boy that Star is with, is shot by the police, and she is now a witness to this crime. And this book really is about her kind of coming to terms with this and deciding how she's going to respond and react, because if there's to be any justice for death of her friend, she has to speak out against authority. And, you know, how, how scary would that be to be a Black teenager speaking out a bu- you know, against a bunch of white police officers? Um, I found this book so incredibly powerful and poignant. Um, you know, it was one of those things that when it first came out, it got so much hype. And I think we've talked about this before on the podcast that when books get a lot of hype, a lot of us are kind of like, Oh, you know, I don't know if I want to read this. Like what if it doesn't live up to all the things that people are saying about it. But once I read this, um, I kind of joined it's, it's fan club. And I think this one, as well as the other books that Angie Thomas has written definitely deserve All of the hype that they they get. This one was banned um, because of profanity and also because of (laughs) anti-police sentiments. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I would say about that is sometimes anti-police sentiments are necessary, especially Mm -hmm. in the current climate. And so I think banning a book um, for that reason just doesn't make a lot of sense. So this is The Hate You Give by Angie
2: Thomas. I have not read this book yet. You haven't. Need to. No, I just haven't really been in a space to read it. Yeah, it's hard to read. Yeah.
3: So, my first book is "Speak" by Laurie Halse Anderson. Yay! And yeah, it's a it's a very powerful book. We follow Melinda Sordino through her first year like her freshman year at Meriwether High, and nothing is going well for her. Um, she performs uh, very poorly in all of her subjects as the year goes by, except for one. Um, she doesn't seem to have any friends, and she we're not sure why, but we get the idea that it hasn't always been this way. Um, She befriends uh, a new girl named Heather, who's, uh, this is her first year too. She's like from uh, Ohio and I don't remember the state that we're in. But Heather soon starts to hang out with more popular people and she's still alone. Um, She finds a storage closet that isn't being used for, for anything. It's just empty and kind of there. And she sort of procures it as her place, her safe place. She spends a lot of her school day when she's not in class, when she doesn't have anything to do, but study, she goes there and she skips class a lot to go there. She's got drawings and sayings on the walls and it's, that's the place she feels comfortable. She'd rather be there than home. And She's you know, the butt of jokes. The first day of high school, she gets a blob of potatoes thrown at her chest, and we Ooh. just don't know why. And her home life isn't much better. Her parents don't communicate with her. They don't really communicate with each other. And again, we know this always has not been the case. It, this This is new. It's happened over a couple of months, and it keeps getting worse, but we don't know why. So the only subject that Melinda does well in is art. She's doing some, some stuff in art. And, and, and as she does, she sort of starts to, in small ways, tell, tell her story. The other profound thing about her is that she doesn't speak. She says very few words at home or at school for this, this year. And again, we don't know why, but she starts to speak in a different way through her art. She starts telling her art teacher uh he gets pieces of of what's going what what has happened to her. She befriends uh she a, a her lab partner his name is David, and he figures out what happened. He's not a popular kid either he's pretty much Uh, He's a nerd, and so you know, they they get shunned too. He figures out and he encourages her to find ways to tell her story. And we find out that there was a party in the summer before the freshman year. And at that party, uh, Melinda gets drunk, and something very awful happens to her. And she calls the police but she leaves she runs away and so everyone is is angry with her because she did this and she could never face what happened she couldn't talk about it couldn't uh it was just done boom she went silent and at the near the end of the year she's forced to confront this event again because of the person involved in it and because of all the sort of progress she's made through art, through like the silence, even she's fine found out she can have power that she's going to not be the same. Um, She's going to actually this time call the police, this time do the right thing, this time turn him in for what he's done. Um, and it's, it's just, it's a very profound book because it, it for me anyway, it, it showed a lot about how you can have a lot of power even when you're silent and sometimes more. And then when you do find your voice it doesn't always have to be in words. It can, you can do just as much through some other way. Um, And then I can also help bring you back to your words. And it was banned um, for probably pretty obvious reasons. It's not age appropriate for the group of people that the events happen to I kind of find that ironic when I see that it's not age appropriate. Wow, because <laughs> um, these people are that age. And it, it seems to me and I, I saw something read about how it could be a good training tool for for high schools, It really could it, it bullying, um, it handles some stuff. It was banned because of the sexual content, profanity, rape. It was banned because it's uh, it, it's, it, it's against men against males um so those are some of the reasons that it was banned but i found it to be an extremely well-written and powerful book and again it's speak by laurie hulse anderson
0: so her memoir is called shout Ooh, and um it talks you know kind of about like what prompted her to write not only Speak, but like Winter Girls and some of the other things that she um, that she's written, but it talks a lot about Speak as kind of like the book that gained her notoriety.
1: So my next book is The Apprenticeship of Daddy Kravitz by Mordecai Rickler. And this book, I chose it. Um, it's not the most amazing book, in my opinion, but I chose it because it's Canadian. Um, it's written by a Canadian author. Um, it takes place in Montreal, which I'm sure people know it's in Canada. And I also felt that it was a book that a lot of like I've talked to so many people and and they've read it. Like it's a book that's been read by so many people, yet it's one of the top books to be banned or challenged. Here in Canada. So, this book, as you can imagine, is about Duddy. And he is a self centered schemer, a con artist, and he's not the most likable character, but at the same time, you can't help but cheer for him. So, when we start the book, he's in high school, he's attending, um, he's a third generation Jewish immigrant family. Um, and he attends a Jewish academy and he torments his teachers like he is horrible to them. So one thing that Duddy has always been working towards is he wants to have a place of his own. His grandfather has always told him a man who does not have his own land Um, like a place to call his own is they're just not they're not successful it's not a great life so Daddy takes this to be like if i were to hear this i would think of this as being you want to have a place of your own and it doesn't specifically mean that you have to have like a piece of land but daddy in his opinion his grandfather is saying that he needs to have land so this is his mission So to get this, he kind of puts up, like creates a bunch of schemes. Some are not very successful. Others are a little successful. Um, He he starts out with things that he tries to earn the money in a good way. So um, he, at one point, he's working at a hotel Um, He works in the kitchen and he's enjoying it. He's doing well, but then things go wrong for him and he ends up going home. And this is where the things start coming, kind of getting a little bit sketchy. Um, One thing that he does decide to do is he's going to create a movie making business and He's decided that it's going to be successful if he films and makes movies out of bar mitzvahs. Which, personally, um, I'm not really sure that I want to watch a movie but about, about a bar mitzvah, but he thinks this is going to work out. He also has a few other schemes that go on. Um, it's really interesting to see his relationships with his family and his friends. Um, he's both a schemer with them so he's not the greatest family member or friend but at the same time you can see that he he also does love them so this book is very much about Duddy trying to earn and to get his piece of land because he wants to create a farm and he wants his grandfather to be proud of him And along the way, Daddy learns some things about life. So this is The Apprenticeship of Daddy Kravitz by Mordecai Rittler. And as far as I can tell, like some places say that it's unknown as to why it was banned or challenged, but my guess would be it's probably banned or challenged just because of the activities that Daddy does.
0: That would not surprise me.
2: (laughs) I have never heard of this book before. I have never heard of it either. Okay, my next book for the evening is I Know Why the Caged Birds, excuse me, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou. Um, And I actually read this book not too long ago, um, not realizing that it was actually a banned book. Um, And it is banned. I think mostly for her description of sexual abuse when she was a child. Um, and I also believe it may have been banned for like, you know, stuff against authority and stuff and stuff like that. Um, so this follows Maya Angelou, who I think a lot of people know as she was the poet who read a poem at Bill Clinton's inauguration. Um, she She's done some great like feminist poetry and, Um, I mean, she's just, she's amazing. And this is the first part of her autobiography. And it talks about how she grew up very poor and she was kind of shuttled back and forth from place to place. But I think one of the main areas that she grew up in was Arkansas. And it just talked about her life and it talked about like what she went through and, you know, what happened to her. And, you know, I think, I think one of the reasons that it was banned was because it's true. Um, and people don't like to hear hard things about other people that are, you know, hard to hear. And I think it's just easier for people instead of people talking about what happened or how society could change as a society. It's just easier to ban the book instead and just kind of sweep it under the rug. Um, I'm actually in the process of reading the rest of Maya Angelou's autobiography. I think there's like six books in it all told. Really? Um, they're fairly short. Yeah. They're fairly short. Um, but this one was super powerful. And I think it's just because, you know, it was told about her young life and really what happened to her and how African-Americans were treated during that time, which really wasn't that long ago. Um, and, you know, it, it, it ends with her being the first African-American woman ever to be the conductor of a cable car when she oh, was wow. a teenager and what she actually oh, had to neat. do and what she actually had to do to make that happen. Like she had to lobby for like months and months to get this job. And she was like 16 or 17 years old. She wasn't that old. So uh, you know, this book was banned for a variety of reasons. You should definitely check it out. It's "I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings" by Maya Angelou.
0: She's like one of those people that you always, you know, hear about, even if you've never yeah. read her work. Like you, yes, know, she's always in huge, the background. Yes, like she, cultural consciousness surrounding mm.
3: her.
1: There's a lot of yeah. quotes that you
3: see yeah. floating
1: around by
0: her.
3: Yes, yeah, they're always powerful. they're always so impactful. Yes,
1: yeah, Yeah.
0: So my next book is one that I read when I was in college, and a lot of the things I read in college are things that I didn't like, right? Because like you don't always read yeah. the best stuff in <laughs> yeah. high school or college. But this particular book stayed with me like from the very first time I I read it, and I've read it a few times since then. But this is in the time of the butterflies by Julia Alvarez. And this was banned because it apparently has a detailed diagram of how to construct a bomb.
1: Oh, yes.
0: I did huh. not know this. I read this as an audiobook, book. Um, and so I, I did not know. But apparently that is why it is banned. So this is kind of a blending of fact and fiction. It is based on the lives of the three Maribel sisters who lived in the Dominican Republic during the time of Trujillo's rise to power. And Trujillo was a dictator Um, in like 1960. He started to get kind of a, a foothold and become super powerful in a way that was not great for anyone who didn't, you know, kind of agree with him. So these are, there are three sisters who actually existed, um, Minerva, Patria, and Maria Teresa. But Alvarez has created a fourth sister. And Didi is kind of a, she, she serves as a way for their stories to be told. Um, you know from the beginning of the book that the three Maribel sisters have died, and Didi is the, the surviving one. She never joined them in kind of their um, their uprising against Trujillo. She was always really worried about how this would affect her husband and her children, and so now she is the one who kind of tells their story. This is a novel of women who take different roads to resistance. Um, And sometimes these these roads are very like in your face and you know kind of right off the bat that Minerva is kind of the the ringleader here. And she's the one who first learns about all of the ways that Trujillo is oppressing people who don't agree with his his politics. And slowly she kind of gets her sisters to go along with her in standing up against him and joining the resistance. Um, Patria is kind of the, the quiet, pious sister. Um, it's interesting, you know, she talks a lot about the way that resistance has made its way into her home. There is a very powerful scene where she's watching people construct guns on her couch, the same couch where she sits and nurses her children. Um, Maria Teresa is the youngest and kind of the most protected of the sisters. Her parts of the story are told through diary entries, and she kind of chronicles her life in and out of prison and the way even when she is behind bars and silenced by the government that she finds ways to speak out. This is one of the most deeply affecting books I've ever read. I've written several papers about it over the course of my, my time in, in school. I reread it every few years, and it's just I, I take something new away from it every time I read it. It's one of those books that I think everyone should read at least once. Um, it, It just has so much to say about women and our power to do things, even when people would rather we sit by kind of silently. So, this is In the Time of the Butterflies by
2: Julia Alvarez. I'm literally downloading the book as we speak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was was awesome. So good.
3: So my next book is My Sister's Keeper by Jodi Picoult. And in it, we follow the Fitzgerald family. The parents, they have an older son, Jesse, and then they have Kate. And the youngest daughter is Anna. And when Kate was two, she was diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia. And of course her parents were devastated by this diagnosis. They had Jesse tested um, to see if he could be a match for her for you know, transfusions, for possibly bone marrow transplants in the future. He was not a match. And this was very difficult for him because it was so difficult for them. So they decided that they would have another child. And this child would be genetically engineered to be compatible with Kate. So they did whatever was, was able to be done to make sure that the, the blood types were the same and that, that there were the, as close as they could be to a match for everything. And from the first moment that Anna came into the world, they cut her umbilical cord and then they quickly rushed that umbilical cord. And, uh, Kate had the blood from that cord transfused into her. And that pretty much began it because then every time she needed something, Anna had to do it. Blood transfusions always, um, a bone marrow transplant. When Anna was really young, they, they would sometimes have to hold her down. They would restrain her. She, she, it was very painful and she was young. She didn't understand. Um, and, and as they grow up, this just keeps happening. And when the, in the book, Jesse is a like an older teenager uh, and he, he's struggling with so much. He's, he's very guilty because he couldn't ever help his sister. He's also very neglected and just sort of left, uh, out in the cold. And he, he starts acting out in uh not such a good way. He, he sets fires and his father, who's a fireman ends up being uh, the one who puts those fires out. Um, And when Anna has to, uh, there's a point where Kate needs a kidney. Her kidneys are failing. This is getting to the point where it's, this is going to be the end if she can't get a kidney. And so of course there's no question. There's never been a question. It will be Anna who gives the kidney. Well, Anna's a young teenager now and she, really has some, some issues with this. She's never been able to live her own life. She's never been able to make choices that didn't involve what she needed to do for Kate. And she's full of a lot of, of conflicting emotions about this. So she finds a lawyer, she reads up on him and and finds he's, he's kind of a jaded guy, but she goes into his office. She tells her, him, her story. And he decides to take, take her case pro bono. She's going to fight for emancipation from her parents. She wants to be able to have her body be under her control, not theirs. Um, and she's like 14 or something like that. So this is not something that you know you would usually do. And it isn't even so much that she doesn't love her sister and want to help her because she does love her sister, but it was never anything that was asked. It was never, it was never a choice. It was never something that she did without always knowing from the day she was born that that's what she was born to do. She was genetically born to do this. And so the book goes into that, uh, that fight uh her mother who used to be an attorney sits on the other side of that argument against her daughter uh, so it's a very it's a very interesting and poignant read and it all ends in a very um unexpected way and all i can say is wow and it's it's really worth the read um, and it was banned because it talks about, you know, uh, suicide. It talks about drugs. It talks about uh, homosexuality it. And again, it's not appropriate for the age that it, it's written uh, about, but it was awesome. It was my first uh, Jody Picoult book. It is my sister's keeper.
1: I saw the movie, and it was it was done well, but I have not read the book.
0: So I have I not read it, Jody. Hill. I did read the book, and I did not like the movie. I felt like because I had read the book, I could see like all the changes that yeah. they made in it.
3: Yeah, and it just really it really bothered me. <laughs> I think the book is. Well, I usually think that the book's better than movies, but in some cases, it just, it really is.
1: So my last book tonight is Annie on My Mind by Nancy Garden. And this book is about Eliza and Annie. So Eliza meets Annie at a museum. And they have a great time. I honestly wish I had the uh, confidence of Annie. She um, decides that they are going to pretend that they are knights and that they're going to kind of like pretend to attack each other. But I thought it was so fun. Like, I really wish I had that confidence to be able to do that. But I was more, I'm probably more like Eliza. So she was very shy and kind of like, oh, I don't know if we should be doing this, but she gets in the spirit of things and this starts their friendship and it turns into more. So this book is about this budding romance. So Eliza goes to a private school and um, Annie goes to a, a public school. So we follow the two girls. So Eliza offers to house it for her two teachers. And as she's doing this, Annie and her, their relationship is getting a little bit intimate and they realize that they have no real place to get to know each other without being disturbed. Cause when they hang out at Eliza's house, there's always her brother or her mom and her dad. And then if they hang out at Annie's house, then they have her parents or her, gra- or her grandmother. So that kind of gets in the way of getting to know each other. So they decide that they're gonna get together at the teacher's place and the teachers are away for two weeks and they get to know each other. And one day they become a little bit intimate and something happens. One of the teachers from Eliza's school lives across the road. And one of the students was trying to get a hold of Eliza because Eliza is the like the student council president. And they're trying to fundraise money to save the school. And to promote the school. And so Sally goes to this, this teacher and says like she cannot find Eliza. And she's worried about her. So they go over to the. She knows that she's house sitting for this these teachers, and she goes over to the house and discovers Eliza and Annie not quite dressed the the way that it, that this teacher they feel that they should be, and this kind of creates a big problem not only for Annie and Eliza, but also for the two teachers that she's house sitting for. And they end up having to go to a tribe, like a s- school tribunal. And I thought it was interesting to see how the different people in th- at this tribunal were reacting to what happened, and how Eliza was kind of forced to decide what she should share and what she should keep back because she wanted to not only protect her family but also protect her teachers and Annie herself. I really liked how supportive her family tried to be. Like they didn't quite know the extent of her relationship with Annie but at the same time they didn't like object to anything and I thought that was really cool. I also liked how the two teachers who also were put under scrutiny how they kind of how they were able to make Annie and Eliza realize that they're not alone and that it's okay to love who you love I am so glad I read this book so this is Annie on my mind by Nancy Garden.
2: I, literally I could have said just, so
1: much more, but I didn't yeah. want to give away anything. I literally I bought just
2: this bought this so book from Audible as you were talking about it because I've read it twice. Oh. And it was one of the best books I've ever read in my life. So I bought it and now I have it forever. Okay, so my last book of the evening is The Color Purple by Alice Walker. Yay. Um, yay. And I actually yeah. bought this book on Audible a couple of months ago, read by the author, which makes it even better. Oh, that's neat, nice. just a little plug uh mm-hmm. so this is about seely and um you know it was it was banned for uh talk of sexual abuse for uh lesbian content for um you know stuff against religion uh you know not being appropriate et cetera et cetera but it's to be honest one of the most beautiful books i've ever read um and I was actually, it was very interesting because I actually just started reading it again. And, you know, the talk of the sexual abuse is violent, but I actually read Precious by Sapphire not too far before that. Oh, yeah, And the, yeah. in the uh, abuse in that book was a lot more, but anyway, um, that's probably another book that was banned. Um, <laughs>
0: Anyway, should so... be surprised. Yeah. No, I haven't,
2: I haven't
1: seen it on any band lists yet, but really, that, see
2: that I band? haven't actually Surprise. seen
0: it either. But it yeah. like yeah. I wonder if
3: look if, if you the Googled color purple it.
2: was banned. Yeah, this book probably was too. And the the you know I actually think if I remember correctly, the movie of the color purple was also banned. It was. So this book is about Seely. And Celie is sexually abused uh, by her kind of stepfather, I guess you'd say, and then married off at a very early age. Um, It doesn't make very clear like what the time period is, but I'm guessing it's like the mid-1920s. And, you know, it just, um, it talks about Celie and it talks about the way that she lives and the way that she grows and, you know, is able to overcome some pretty horrific circumstances and how she makes those circumstances kind of work for her. But it also talks about uh, her sister, Nettie. And, you know, once uh, her stepfather was done abusing her, uh, he was going to go after her little sister, Nettie and Celia actually saved her from that fate. Um, And it talks about the two sisters and the, the lives that they lead and what happens to Celia's children. Um, and just a whole group of people and I'm definitely not doing the book justice because uh it's it's kind of indescribable in a way but I think that anyone who has been around books or movies for a really long time uh knows about this book and you know I just it always amazes me that some of the books that are banned are the most powerful books um and maybe that's why they're banned. I'm not really sure, but anyway, yeah. uh, this book is uh, this book is The Color Purple by Alice Walker, and just a plug: if you buy it from Audible, you can have her read it.
1: I think a lot of books like this are banned because we d- people like to believe that the world is all about unicorns and rainbows. Like, yeah. They don't want to yes. see. They mm. don't want to see that like bad things happen.
0: Yeah. I've Great. talked on here before that like my grandmother is kind of notorious for making me watch like really inappropriate movies as a child. Um, uh-huh. Like, oh, did you watch <laughs> this one? So I did watch this one and I was pretty young, like too young to understand yeah. it, I think. But I, I very vividly remember watching it with her. Um, and I kind of think it was probably a better choice than things like whatever happened to baby Jane, which is another thing she made me watch when I was a kid. Wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But this book has always kind of intimidated me. Like I've seen the movie and I've thought about reading the book, but I never, I've never actually read it. Um, Oh, you totally
2: should. If you're going to read the book, I would do it in audio only because a lot of it is written in dialect. Yep. Right. That wouldn't come across very well. I think with oh, like, it has like with much more stream. beauty than
3: the movie yes, ever, ever showed. I agree Yeah
2: um, I And it's stuff. written as letters to God Okay Which I think is really yeah. interesting It's an interesting yeah. way of doing it
0: So my last book tonight Would make Stacy's husband Michael very very happy Because <laughs> Michael loves this author um, As much as I do And when Pat Conroy died, I was Aww. super sad. And uh, Stacy said that I there was Pat quite a Conroy. lot of gloom in, in her house as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of torn because there are two Pat Conroy books that have been banned, um, Beach Music and The Prince of Tides. And so I, I really struggled between the two of them. Um, you know, which one would I talk about? But The Prince of Tides was the first book that I ever read by Pat Conroy. And I think the one that he's probably best known for. Um, I know it's the one that was like made into a movie that most people remember. Um, I've never seen the movie. But this book was banned um, because of its discussion of dysfunctional families. There's also a lot of violence. <laughs> and there's talk of, of suicide here. Um, but this is the story of twins, and they are Tom and Savannah Wingo, and they've been born into this very eccentric and in some ways brutal family. Um, it's really hard to quantify like all of the ways in which this family does not do good things for their children. Um, There are are scenes here of pretty graphic um, physical abuse. There's a lot of emotional abuse as well. Um, It's it's just a very, very hard read. And this book basically chronicles the lives of these siblings. So when we first start the book, um, Tom and Savannah are adults and Savannah is in a mental hospital. And we don't necessarily know why, like we know that she's had a lot of problems, but we don't know what has happened to land her here now. And Tom is meeting with a therapist and trying to kind of peel back the layers of like all these hidden things in their lives and try to understand like what has has led Savannah to the place where she is now um it's such a hard book to describe i think because there are so many layers here so many things that like you read it and you're like oh you know this isn't this isn't good like parents shouldn't behave this way but then you look kind of deeper beneath the surface and you see that like these parents also had you know probably not the best upbringing and like what you know what has How many generations of dysfunction exist in this family and like what has led to all of these terrible things that are happening. Um, I feel like it's not a book I can describe well. Um, Conroy's writing is so lush and beautiful. Um, He makes, you know, I don't like sports, but he writes a lot about like a lot of his characters play sports. And I find even his descriptions of like football games are just so, so enchanting to read. And this coming from someone um, who, you know, would rather like hide from the Super Bowl. You know, I I have like no interest in sports, but when Pat Conroy has written pretty much anything, um, I, I read it and love it. So this is The Prince of Tides. It is a classic book. Um, if you've never read it, I, I highly, highly recommend it as well as like everything else that he's written.
1: I have never read it.
3: Oh. oh. So my last book is actually two books. Um, it's a duology and you can read either one of them, but they, they just, they're, they're so uh, together. Um, They are the uh, Winds of War and War and Remembrance by Herman Wauk. Um, Herman Wauk did absolutely meticulous (laughs) research. Also, he lived through that time. Um, And he put together this incredible uh, set of novels about World War II. And they were the first... It's the first thing I really read about World War II um, that covered it like this, that was so sweeping. I read it in the early 80s, but it was actually written in the early 70s. It doesn't matter when it was written. It totally stands any test of time. It's classic, and it doesn't matter when you read it. Um, It tells the story through a cast of fictional and um real characters so we see all the 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 people that were actually involved but we follow a family called the Henry family which is a very military family um the patriarch is Victor i think it's funny because the people in his orbit his family call him pug and yeah. he's he's this austere sort of he he says himself he doesn't have much of a sense of humor and he's this brilliant you know scholarly naval gentleman pug (laughs) (laughs) um he worked his way up through the uh navy through all the ranks of the navy and he in the beginning of Winds of War, he has been appointed Naval Attaché to Berlin. So he's on his way to Berlin about six months before Poland is invaded. And he goes back and forth between the United States and Germany. He also goes other places because he's just, he, he's, the, he's a main confidant for um, President Roosevelt. So we get a lot of really cool conversations between the two of them. And he depicts Roosevelt so well. (laughs) Um, He has a wife who's sort of vapid and selfish. And she was sort of a now and then actress. She wants everything uh, good and valuable in life. She wants the finest houses. She wants the biggest parties. She's not real happy in the marriage. Um, and and he has, they have three children. And so we see the war from all of these viewpoints. Plus we follow a German general to get the uh, that side of it. And we see Hitler in great detail as he rises and, and is peaking and also as he starts to become uh, unglued and lose his his sanity and his hold on his people. Um, Warren is the the um, uh, oldest son, and he joins the Air Force, so he's still you know in there in the, in military, just a different branch. And he's never questioned that as his goal. Um, Madeline is the daughter, so of course she's not going to do anything in the military, but she works for. A radio personality on cbs and she they interview a lot of uh, their thing is to interview famous people so they talk to a lot of people around uh wartime so you so you see stuff from that side of it as well and then byron his father's always comparing him to warren and saying this is what you should want your career his naval career He, he he doesn't really know what he wants in fact He's in Poland in the beginning of of the first book. And the first night of the attack, he says, this is fun. (laughs) And people are just, that are around him are totally appalled by that. And we see him really change. Like by the end of his time in Poland, he is a totally different man. He's gone from, yeah, I'm resourceful and I'm having fun and I'm going to help people (laughs) to... he sees people die right in front of him and he does not understand why this, he doesn't understand why this is no, it's no longer fun. And we just see, we see every battle. Um, we see it from the sky. We see it from submarines. Uh, we see the battles that are fought just within family, um, the war doesn't just you know it 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 also makes uh it hard to be a family um so we see that byron falls in love with a jewish american jewish woman and he uh his family doesn't like that at all but uh she breaks off her engagement to um her first guy for Byron and they, they do get together. And so you see, uh, you see a whole lot of, uh, of the Jewish um, part of that through, through them because they are trapped in Italy uh, and they can't get out for a number of reasons. She's with her uncle, an older scholarly gentleman who writes these long tomes that People seem to know he wrote and know that he's famous, but you don't really know if anybody reads them because (laughs) they're kind of boring. But he's just this doddering old professor and Natalie stays with him, takes care of him, helps him with his work, and they get stranded. And in the second book, I've got to say, there are such incredible uh, scenes about the gas chambers inside the gas chambers about what it's like when you realize that you're going to go in here and they're going to tell you that it's for a shower, but it's not going to be for a shower. And you watch them take things out of their pockets and you watch them and you hear them be told you have to cleanse. We're going to give you a shower. And it's the most, it's the most I've ever seen uh, in in the, in World War II, uh, in books of, uh, the Holocaust in, in, a so much, I cried and cried when I read it and it has stuck with me since, since I read it in the eighties, it is so thorough and so breathtaking. Um, it was banned for obvious reasons. I think it doesn't even give reasons, but I think it's way descriptive. It's, it's, it is, it's totally compelling. At least it was for me. And I, my father was a gunner in world war II. So I always felt, uh, I wanted to know a lot more about that. And that started my, my reading. I've read a lot since then, but these books are fantastic and they still are in audio. They're in print, they're findable. And because of, of uh, the age of a lot of our listeners, I'm guessing a lot of people haven't read them. And if you are a World War II uh, you know, buff that you wanna learn about, these are absolutely a must. They are Winds of War and War in Remembrance by Herman Welk, who died at the awesome age of like 104.
0: Whoa. That's awesome. This is on my list of things that I will hopefully read very, very soon. And that wraps up our Banned and Challenged Book episode. Thank you so much to Brooke, Amber, and Christine for coming up with such great books for this episode. Christine gets double thanks tonight for both her participation and her editing. And of course, we thank each and every one of you who joins us each week as we talk about great books.